commence primary ignition. This is Star Wars. Look out! You may fire when ready. From the bright center of the galaxy, I'm Grace Combat, and you're listening to Core World News. You're on a new show for in-depth coverage for the latest stories from around the galaxy. Now, for your new segment rundown for June 11th, 2021. 99 problems, but a bad batch ain't one. Boba's bounty board. But first, this news. All right, thank you very much, Grex. Yeah. Uh, it's great to be here. Good to see you, Adam and Grant. Uh, here we are again. Another back. week for World News. Yeah. Got a great show for everybody tonight. Big show. Big show tonight. Big, Big show. show. Get, get stoked. Show. Uh, make sure to get us on Discord and Twitter and Instagram. We're there talking about Star Wars all week long. Uh, get after us. We love it. Comics. Find, you know how to find us. That's <laughs> that's way great working overtime guys i'm working, working overtime. ot pulling yeah. quotes from tonight's episode that a boy um awesome uh so first news here we got a little collider uh, collider article that was posted an hour ago um and it was an interview with robert rodriguez and mm. he has confirmed that we're gonna find out what happened to boba fett uh after the sarlacc pit Oh, like in he's not even all the way back to Empire. So it's going to be a original trilogy throwback. Yeah. And, and then presumably how he escaped the Sarlacc pit. We're going to see that. Um, we also found out he's they confirmed he's going to be directing a few episodes. I thought he was going to direct the season, but he's really executive producer. Um, and there's going to be, a you know, another dream team of directors there. But uh Biggest news is we're confirmed we're going to go back before we go forward with Book of Boba Fett. Uh, thoughts, gentlemen? I'll let you uh, go. I'm, yeah, all right. Thank you. Uh, very excited by this. I. It's a character that we don't know a lot about, right? Post, we know a lot. The weird thing is we know more about him as a child than we do as an adult, which seems backwards right. compared to the, the place he holds in most of our hearts. Um, but... You know, we're getting some work done with him in the comics and other stuff. And I think the Mandalorian did a great job of making it a, a full character when in, you know, just the original trilogy. He's really just just there. Right. He's just a menace, a bad guy. Like and so I'm super excited that they're going to fill in some of these blanks. And I love me some flashbacks and we're going to like classic era looking Boba Fett, which is going to be awesome. Yes. I have a question that may be somewhat uh not kosher uh but as a, as a punchy fellow Break myself uh i will ask do you f they got to get someone else in that suit though to do the flashbacks right they're not putting current era tomorrow morrison in that <laughs> cuz I, I love i love current punchy boba fett i mean that'd be a good way to differentiate the timelines right yeah i imagine they'll be able to do most of it with adr right i mean they'll have stunt much like they did with um uh, Mandalorian, okay. they'll have multiple yeah. stunt doubles, you know, take on the role um, for especially action scenes and things like that. But I think they could de-age Tamara Morrison and then do some younger Boba stuff if they want to oh, go yeah. do flashbacks. Um, or maybe Tamara is on the master cleanse. And again, I feel bad. I'm not trying to fat shame Tamara Morrison. No, not at all. It's like 55 or something like that. And, you know, he's still in better shape than I am. But, uh, you know, yeah, and like 
he was a younger man in the original trilogy right. or, and it was jeremy bullock for heaven's sake it was like a 120 pound man and that's it uh yeah i mean i, I think you're dead on there but uh, you can also be creative with your framing and the lighting and kind of you know be discreet if the character ever does take off his helmet you know you never really need to show the actor i mean you can do you can you can be creative in those moments yeah, yeah i don't I don't think he's gonna take his helmet off much in that era um but it'll be cool if he does yeah that's my thought is i feel like his helmet off stuff is now just because it's so far past the clone wars i have a feeling like boba fett when he became an adult and put that put that helmet on he rarely ever took it off mostly because a lot of explaining to do right a lot of questions and that's probably not worth it uh hot take i think this series opens with a flashback to return of the jedi him falling in the sarlacc pit it it goes to freeze frame and you hear you hear tomorrow morrison going so i bet you're wondering how i got here well let me tell you (laughs) yeah yeah i think there was a robot chicken episode that was a lot like that actually yeah that makes sense that i stole that i'm not that creative (laughs) no you are that creative you're just right up there on par with professionals like seth green yeah seth green and the star of road trip and i can't think of his name now and the star of road (laughs) road trip Sorry, Star of Road Trip, that we don't have. To I'm, I'm googling because now I'm really upset that I can't remember and that. Seth Green's name. friend, yeah, Brecken Meyer. Brecken Meyer. There you go. There you go. Everyone's uh, favorite we, late we '90s actor. Search for that name. Um, <laughs> it, it's going to be interesting to see. I, I feel like what they're setting up in the comics and some of the ancillary media with the um, with the rise of Crimson Dawn, the return of Crimson Dawn. I think that might play into Book of Boba. I think. You might get much like Jabba's now. There's now a vacant, you know, seat in the hut, you know, cartel. You know, Jabba's gone. I imagine there's other mobsters and crime lords rising up uh, to take Jabba's, you know, wealth and power and territory. Like, I imagine it's not just Boba that's taken the palace. I imagine there's others that are rising up. And I imagine Crimson Dawn might be among those that are... uh, that are now going to confront Boba. So I'm hoping to see more crime and under, and, you know, underworld activity and stuff like that. Yeah. I hear that too, man. Um, that would be fantastic. The thing I'm most looking forward to are the flashbacks. There's just not a lot of flashbacks in star Wars. We don't do it. No. And, yeah. and, and I want both of these timelines, right? I want the one going forward from the end of each season two of Mandalorian and I, I'm and I'm stoked about this news that we're going to go back because just imagine that flashback moment and all of a sudden, bam, you're like back in the original trilogy. I feel like you got to be so right. careful, though, like you're now walking on eggshells because you don't want to, like, you know, tread on, you know, certain storylines and, and cause disruptions within the lore. Right. Like, I feel like I feel yeah. like if they do flashbacks, it might just be the climbing out of the Sarlacc pit, like how he survived that and then maybe setting up a villain or an antagonist for the show, but I don't know if they'll explore much else if they go back. Yeah. I mean, that's why Kathleen Kennedy is my queen. She'll, she'll take care of the continuity, you know, same with Hidalgo and the story group. They'll, they'll take care of the continuity. I think, you know, if if we see it pre Sarlacc, which now I'm like, that'd be interesting. You know, we'll see some of this crossover with a comic we're going to review later in the episode. um, Cause it's all about Boba and Han Solo, Uh, you know, or primarily there are focused characters. Um, so it'd be nice. I'm sure there'll be some homage there, uh, yeah. but it's, you know, it'll be like, okay, like, it'd be great if they showed like five seconds of like a Boba clip 
from the original trilogy, but then they keep going with it, right? But the aesthetic matches as well as it did in like Rogue One or something like that. And um, we get to see sort of the forking path that uh, Boba took in this particular event. And it's just like the aesthetic matches perfectly and and we get it. I, you know, we've got the technology, we've got the vision, we've got the talent. Um, I think they could, I think they could do a really nice job with that. I also, Ben, you're really onto something there. Cause I also think they have the um, director nerds they need oh, <laughs> to yeah. do stuff like that. Like, like these are like Robert Riga's and, and, and John Favreau are giant nerds in, in their industry. And I mean that yeah. as a giant nerd in the most complimentary way. Oh, yeah. And, like, I feel like I, this could be a weird reference. Um, if either of you saw the new Little Women <laughs> yes, that came out, uh, which I really enjoyed. My wife, who's the biggest Little Women fan ever, was not didn't love it as much as I did. But I don't hold I don't hold I never read the book. Right. So I don't hold that stuff sacred. But they did a really interesting thing with like colors to differentiate and, and flashbacks. And I found it yeah. very visually it kind of led you visually in a very thoughtful way about like, when's the flashback, when's current, I was able to kind of follow along. And part of me wonders if they're going to do exactly what you're suggesting, Ben, is like maybe when they do a flashback, they find a way to really mimic film grain and make it look like it's it was shot in 1982, right? Like maybe that, they make it actually look like that. That's also on brand Robert Rodriguez. Right? Yeah. Desperado and um, Once yes. Time in yeah. Mexico. And, you know, a lot of his movies do have flashbacks and they are – a different they're they're color graded differently like you do it, it's it's more sepia tone it's more that's more grainy it's 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 like he he really does play with with a different aesthetic for flashbacks so it would be cool to see that in boba like i i love that idea that's yes i i absolutely want that also there's like a more obvious way to tell and that's i mean the reason you know answers the question why boba repainted his armor in the mandalorian so it's like if he, when right. he's in brand new painted armor and maybe man's got a couple extra pounds look a little husky in the suit or like and has the robe underneath you know that's obviously current or as current you know post return of the jedi boba but when he's got the you know shelled armor that's like still you know scraped up and has the dent in the forehead and all that like that's obviously going to be past boba right maybe that's not obvious but it'd be obvious to us and probably our listeners um so yeah yeah um sounds pretty cool it sounds pretty cool. I, like I needed to get more stoked about this show, but um, I, I love the fact that they'll be dipping back a little bit. If you're having clone problems, I feel bad for you, son. I have 99 problems, but the Bad Batch ain't one. Uh, hit me! Alright, welcome back, everyone, to another episode of Boba's bounty board. Nope. Still getting used to saying that. It's uh, 99 problems. Oh, my bad. <laughs> Cut. <laughs> Take two. <laughs> Welcome back, everyone, to another episode of 99 Problems, but a Bad Batch ain't one. And we, of course, all watched it the moment upon its release uh, today. Um, it is Friday for all you listeners out there. We The episode is hot today. We just, we, we've all watched it, I think. Probably some of us have watched it twice. Uh, fantastic episode. This is episode seven, Battle Scars. Um, uh, we, I mean, there was a lot of setup in the past few episodes, so we were all kind of waiting for the 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 other the other shoe to drop. And uh, in this episode, we kind of we we get kind of what we were expecting, but also some fun reveals that 
I think a lot of us guessed wrong about. <laughs> and uh, <laughs> most notably, week, all three of us. We all yeah. said the same name at, at, at once, and that was Bail Organa. And it turns out, nope. Sexy yeah. Rex. Captain Rex back yeah. on the scene. I'm okay being wrong. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. They teased that right at the end of the last episode. Like, who is this person that Trace and Rafa are reporting to? And I was so sure. I was so sure it was Bail. Uh, but Rex makes a lot of sense. Yeah. Quick, quick summary of this episode is after completing another bounty for Sid, uh, the Bad Batch return to Sid's parlor and encounter an old friend, Captain Rex. Uh, fearful that the Bad Batch inhibitors, the, bad, the inhibitor ships in the Bad Patch will become compromised, Rex guides the team to Braca to locate a med bay where they can uh, extract the chips. But the plan is disrupted when Wrecker suffers a latent execution of Clone Protocol 66. Well wow. said. Well said, Grant. Super, yeah. super fun episode. We were waiting for Wrecker to Hulk out, and um, it was only a matter of time. Uh, we, it was ticking time bomb, and it's even verbalized in this episode. Rex is like, "You guys are ticking time bombs. Like, yeah, we got to get those chips out now. It's, it's pretty good. Like this episode felt urgent. The stakes felt high. Um, it was, it was all around entertaining, and uh, loved the scenery. Loved, loved traveling to to Braca. Um, how'd you guys like this episode? It's fantastic. Yeah. Fantastic. Um, I, I love the landscapes. I mean, I, I'm, you know, I'm, a lot of star Wars joy for me, it comes from the landscapes and, you know, Braca, this, this planet that's like all defunct old battle cruisers. I love the reference. She's like, Oh, you're a phase one clone. Like, yeah. I, I love the reference to the phases there. And then him being like, Oh, these were the first ones commissioned. So you can imagine like, from Clone Wars, those like first Venator class ships that were taking off. Savage dunks in this episode. <laughs> yeah, yes. Seriously. Constant yeah. insulting in this episode. Like it starts with like I think Sid at one point in the beginning of this episode says, Oh, you haven't seen my ugly side yet. And Tech is like, Are you sure that wasn't your her ugly side? And it was like, Whoa. She can literal hear shots fired. I thought that was a kind of meta thing. Like you yeah. you hear like the next thing you hear are shots being fired. But um, and then later on, as you're saying, Ben, when when Meg is like, oh, you're a first generation clone to Rex. And then, you know, they're talking about the, the, the these are the first, you know, Venator classes ever built, you know, for, first off the line. And then Wrecker's like first off the line, just like you, Rex. And I was like, oh, oh. another one, another zing. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And he, she's he's like, how can you tell I'm a, you know, phase one clone? And she's like, oh, the lines in your face. Yeah. <laughs> like you look old. Yeah. yeah. You're old. <laughs> <laughs> and he was like, all right, fair enough, fair enough, but pretty savage burn as they go. Um, yeah. Yeah. So I, I love them walking along hulks of, of Benedict cruisers. I mean, it's, it's, we've seen those scenes in video games a lot. There's a bunch of that in uh, uh, Fallen yeah. Order. Yeah, it's the same planet from Fallen Order. They're the first. Oh, uh, it is. Yeah, it's the yeah. same. Oh, the it's, one that he was where, like a scrapper. Where Cal Kestis at the beginning of the prologue of that. Synergy. So. I kept sitting there waiting to be like, I, I didn't do the math in my head, but it makes sense that he probably wasn't there yet. But I'm like, are we going to get a Cal Kestis, uh, oh. uh, like walk through, like walk by just, uh, yeah, that would, but, we might get it next episode because we, they're intertwining it with there, you know, that we, we've been introduced to some of the workers on the planet that, yeah. you know, like I love the lore drops and I feel like Filoni kind of sticks to his, his World. corner of the galaxy yeah. uses his characters over and over again a lot, but it's like, 
just give me a like redheaded guy in the background that looks up <laughs> like, you know, the, the prisoners are being dragged by, you know? Yeah, absolutely. I, you know, or even like maybe he helps spring them. Like how cool a synergy piece would that be? If it looked like this? a different area of the planet. It looked like, yeah. like a kind of desolate graveyard uh, of Venator class ships. Whereas Cal is in an area where there's some sort of like dismantling operation and yeah, they're actively populated. Yeah. But if they do area. get captured by the people, they might get taken more towards the center there. Right. Of activity. And that would be really cool. I mean, cause we haven't, we haven't really had that in the Clone Wars series, right? We haven't had like a real, I, I mean, well, first of all, I don't think we've ever had a crossover with a major, with a game character before. Right. <laughs> No, like, nothing I can think of. To games character, like there's never been a Star Killer reference in anything. I know that's old canon at this point, but I have a feeling like they're going to reach their arms around that at some point. Um, Jerome, Jerome was all about that uh, at work the other day. Grant, he was like, "Oh wow, we got to." Yeah. He's like, "Bring back Star Killer." So that's for you, Jerome. If you're listening, <laughs> well, we do know there's a Fallen Order two in the works, so I imagine Cal Kestis' story will continue in that game. Um, yeah, and I imagine they're going to, going to want to save a lot of juicy narrative and like character development for the game. Well, but... it's true, but this is this would be a prequel, right? This would take place before because I was so I've been while well, you guys are talking. This is why a couple episodes ago we were talking about why it's good to have three people because while well, you guys are talking, I'm like, let me Google let the timeline stuff. Yeah, yeah. so th this takes place immediately after episode three, maybe a few right. months now. It seems like it's fast and. So Jedi he's Fallen just like Order a teenager. Picks up five years later. So he could, I don't, we don't know when he landed on Braca, but you know, it could have been pretty quickly. We, for all we know, he's been there for four years, right? Yeah, like we he just would don't be know. a really young teenager. So he would be, be young. Closer yeah. to like flashbacks in Fallen Order, right? When he's, yeah. Just, when he's yeah. Young. So probably but, not going to get that. Who knows? Yeah. But we could get a, a young Cal Kestis. That would be kind of cool. Yeah. And him like that look in his eyes, like he wants to help, but he's just like, I can't. I can't out myself. Yeah, but he does have that friend. Uh, was it Prof? Ooh, his good, good poll. Yeah, yeah, I totally pulled that. Uh, Abednego. Yeah, Nito. Uh, yeah, so you know, maybe we get to at least see him. That'd be fun, right? Like just a little callback. We just have them interacting. Yeah, with. that'd be a yeah, nice but, crossover. Yeah, probably the deepest lore crossover I've seen is in Resistance, where they <laughs> the uh, Kaz Mazuda dressed up in the. Um, Matt, the technician outfit, as oh, like right. <laughs> I forgot <laughs> about that. Yeah, that's like the deepest animation crossover I think we got. But um, that's pretty I, amazing. I, I love a video game crossover. Like we haven't seen Iden Versio in anything yet, right? Like that would be awesome. That's surprising. Super. It's such a great character, and right. and the actress I'm sure would be game for it. She's, yeah, Diana Avancar. Yeah, good pull. Um, kind of just while we're doing general stuff, I. Great. As you said, we kind of predicted some of the generalities of this episode when we've talked about, like, where's this season going? Yeah. I'm surprised and not in a bad way, but I'm surprised the seventh episode. We've already got the chips out of all their heads. I thought they were going to drag that out throughout the season. Right. Like, so that did I. I think. Yeah. And I now also it's, uh, go for it. Sorry. Oh, I was just going to say now it's like now it's opening up to like other storylines but we still i guess you know we've introduced a lot of big bads that are chasing them but it's just funny that that's not going to be hanging over them for i i thought for sure it'd be hanging over them a lot longer yeah i, I definitely thought they were going to play the you know play that slow and, and and have that develop you know across the season but um 
And I also was a bit confused about Order 66 and, and what it means if their chips do malfunction. So I went back and watched um, the first four episodes of I did too. season six and, uh, <laughs> uh, and obviously watched um, episode 11 of season seven, which is, I think, my favorite episode of Clone Wars. That that oh. episode shattered when they've detained Maul. It's basically like the hand. Oh, like that's so good. Maul yeah. in Order 66 and is uh triggered and ahsoka actually fights off her clones and it's it's incredible like uh, you know a lot of the jedi lose when the clones turn on them but ahsoka with her like dual wielding is able to block like every laser bolt and just like disappear through a ceiling panel like it is spectacular like in the music in that episode again episode 11 season 7 of clone wars incredible probably probably my favorite episode of of the entire show the, and I just more, want to take a moment real quick to ask uh, Disney, anyone who's listening, <laughs> Disney, can we please get a playlist of the Clone Wars in like timeline order? That'd be great. Thanks. Yeah, I just uh, well, I, I've talked to my wife about this a lot where I'm just like, I don't know why Disney Plus and Netflix and all these other places don't have playlists like it'd be super easy to program within the interface yeah. to just be they like, have, just watch. They have playlists in Marvel and the Marvel section. You can do a timeline order, but you, they you don't can. But yeah. they should have like a pre-play, like, do you want to watch all the Ahsoka episodes? Do you want to watch? Like, they had that on the Simpsons, the FXX, FXX uh, app, where they used to have the Simpsons. They had playlists like that, like curated playlists. I, I'm almost certain there they, is a watch list on Disney Plus for Clone Wars. Wars. So, it's, yeah, like es- more- it's called the Essential. I think it's called the Essential Watch List or something like that. Yeah. It's like Essential Episodes. Well, they did one for Ahsoka when uh, she popped up in Mandalorian. But it was like best of Ahsoka. It wasn't like all of them. They just yeah. they pulled like 10 Ahsoka episodes of like throughout her timeline that sort of Which was a shaped character, you know. But if you want to understand understand the um the the clones, I would say go back and watch uh cl- an episode Clone Cadets. I'm not is that season I want to say that's season two or season three? Yeah. Clone Cadets. I think it's like early. the first episode of one of those seasons. And yeah. then Go go to season six if you want to learn about the inhibitor chips. Watch episode one, two, three, and four. Uh, that's the kind of uh, that, that's the uh, that's uh, the inhibitor commander, chip. trooper Tup taking out murdering um, uh, Jedi Master Tiplar, which mm-hmm. is kind of this in, it's this early execution, this preemptive execution of Order sixty six in his chip. Um, there's a lot of speculation from Shakti and. Uh, the Kaminoans and the clones that it's a virus or it's a toxin yeah. or something. It's a malfunction it's the, of the chip. It's right, a massive right, right. event. Yeah. Like all the, it goes yeah. all the way from Tyrannus and Darth Sidious, like in yeah, and then five learns about it, and then and then yeah, and get to some, some of the inner workings Anakin. with Tyrannus, and and you actually find out that um, Tyrannus, uh, Lord Tyrannus of uh, Dooku, uh, supplied the Kaminoans with the chips. Like he pro- he provided them with the inhibitor chips. The Kaminoans didn't invent them. Which is fascinating. I actually had to go back and 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 kind of re-examine all that stuff, and then also re-examine what happens when they do malfunction. And it's, it's not. It's, it's of course it's the you know the first protocol is to kill Jedi, but the se- it's also anyone who doesn't comply with Order sixty six right. must be terminated. And that's the one that I was kind of like it was kind of a gray area, and I was like, oh, like what, what does that mean? Does that mean record turns on everybody because they've they've all you know protected a Jedi or, or, you know, not taken out Kanan when they could and, and, and fled from the Kaminoans and, you know, our criminals, you know, um, designated criminals by the empire. Like, is that why he would take them out? Cause I was a little confused by that, but then it, it did make sense in the episode when it, when the chip did 
kind of um, when when it did uh, when it did succumb to the malfunction. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. Good. I was just gonna say, I you know, yeah, I had the same thought of of when the chip malfunction in the episode, because I'm still I'm still like. I, I I'm keep being wrong about this series. Um, and every time I'm wrong, I'm happy that I'm wrong. Like they, they, it's not one of those things where I'm like, Oh, I wish they did it my way. I'm just like, Oh, I was wrong. Um, I'm still though, like, like fingertips, like on the edge of a mountain, like completely see through white holding on to the, to the fact that they're going to make Omega force sensitive. <laughs> and so I when I today, because you guys planted that seed, like so I thought she was going to use the, the force to bring him back. So when I watched it a second time through, I could still find my through way, my through line through there. I do like how they like basically the way it's ex- subtly, really actually subtly explaining the episode is that there's like a side conversation that Wrecker is hearing, right? When they're relaying, retelling the story of letting uh, Caleb Doom go, basically, right? right? And that's what triggers Wrecker is because he does that. But I'm like, it also could have been because, you know, like I had the same thought of like it could have been that, but that's very subtle in the background. But he also was paying attention to Omega at the time as well. So it also could have mm-hmm. been Omega. You're still believing, though, that the chips allowed them to like. I don't know. I don't, I don't like that. So I'm I'm kind of letting it go. Like, I don't right. like that it would for some reason. Um, But like how do the I, chips I think... tell them it's a Jedi, right? Like, does it have to be wearing robes and holding a lightsaber? Right. Yeah. Like leading yeah. A, a military. Like, it could be that simple. It could. Yeah. I don't know. It's just interesting. I, I guess it's because, I, well, I think uh, you also discovered that there's a kind of neural construct that all the, like a kind of program that all the, the clones are kind of um, linked to. And so maybe Wrecker, once that chip connects to that neural construct, it basically is telling him, you know, kill anyone who's um, uh, labeled a criminal by the empire and as well. And those right. people are traitors. Anyone who's a traitor that must be terminated. Yep. And that's kind yeah. of what I got. He just turns into the Terminator. He turns into a killing machine. It's just pretty much. It's pretty cut and dry. Like there's there's really not a lot of like complexity to it. It's I, I really I thought it was I thought it would deal more with the force and like hunting Jedi specifically, like if it did trigger, but I guess it's you know, take out any of the clones around him because I, they're traitors. Yeah, I feel like it's kind of like a side. Like I'm surprised it wasn't Order 67, but I guess Order right, 66 right. is like has multiple parts: kill all Jedi and then kill anyone who helps the Jedi, basically, right? Like I feel yeah. like those are the two orders because they are a traitor to the Empire. Oh, I, I remember what I was going to say is that I feel you know bringing it back to the Clone Wars for a minute in season seven. The more I watch this season and the fact that we're like pulling in so many characters and plot lines from season seven of the Clone Wars. I'm more and more feeling like season seven of the Clone Wars is less like season seven of the Clone Wars and more like season yeah, yeah. Point, point five of the Bad Batch, right? Like it feels right. like I feel like they should repackage it to be like this is like a prelude to the Bad Batch. And like it's it's interesting. Like they like he Floney clearly had this. I, I feel like they were writing this series while they're, you know, developing yeah. season seven yeah. of the Clone Wars. Well, it's yeah, been I, so it's long since bridge. they. Yeah, before they, they yeah, it's, it had been so long since they had dabbled here and it was like, oh, great, they're going back to Clone Wars. But clearly they had, you know, the the pipeline line, you know, figured out as far as what was going to happen after the Clone Wars. And he's like, yeah, I can continue this and we can continue this IP and doing cool things with clones. And the storytelling yeah. just gets better. The animation gets better. I, we got to shout out the animators for this. Like, yeah, particularly when uh Wrecker like changes and the click the chip clicks in mm-hmm. like he's 
like he goes from this like joyful, happy, round face, you know, like happy go lucky killing machine to this like gaunt face, dark yeah. purpose, like Terminator. Um, and it was, you know, unmistakable to recognize. And it was, you know, it, I don't know. It just, it fleshed out that character a lot for me in, in a lot of ways. It really brought a lot more to that character where it's like, you know, he could be this really mean spirited, dark, just like murderer if he like followed his baser instincts. But, yeah. you know, there's a lot of good and joy inside Wrecker. And I love that he's now got the strongest bond with Omega and it's, it's really cute and it's really well done and like really authentic and yeah. Shout, yeah. shout out and, to and the, shout yeah. out to D Bradley Baker for the voice work. Like even this record after it, the chip malfunction, like he sounded different. Like the intonations were different. Mm -hmm. uh, his timber was, di was, was lower. His voice, you know, altogether was bassier. It was, it was just a different character. And like D Bradley Baker's doing so many characters at once. It's just super impressive. And even in the credits, when I look at the foreign language versions of this show, it's like there's one voice actor most of the time who does all the clones. And like, I bet all, it's it's such meaty voice work to sink your teeth into um, for all these all these talented people out there in the world. So it's like, what a fun show in that regard that someone yeah. gets to really try all these voices and yeah, uh, it's explore. It's a needle to thread, right? Because you have to make them sound distinct, but you can't make them sound too distinct, right? Because they right. all have to be a clone. Like I, that's really impressive. Like that is that is yeah, 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 in, yeah. Very small, minute uh, changes there. Also, since we're giving out accolades, uh, shout out to the, the score. Um, I, mm. I don't. I know Matthew Wood does the um, sound design and uh, a lot of the sound mixing. I, I don't have the the score writers here. But I'm going to now coin the phrase uh, the Gorenson effect. And I mm. think like Ludwig yeah. Gorenson in The Mandalorian just like did such an amazing job in the score. I think he opened doors for other score writers that are like, I, I feel like Clone Wars always has been pretty conservative with how close to John Williams they stayed. And they were fair. It was the fairly neutral um, scoring with just a lot of, you know, strings and pads. Yeah stuff and then occasional like john williams flourish of, of like a you know of a of a common theme or something but now yeah. i feel like he he was more brave in, in his yeah. great yeah. themes it, it i i like the Gornsing effect because i this is not necessarily related but we're talking about the marvel family we can talk about we're, we'll talk off air about loki but watch first episode of loki and about halfway through i'm like is that Gornson? Because like there's like it had that same feelings. It's not, by the way. It's it's not it's Natalie Holt does it, but it was just one of those things where cool. I love I feel like this kind of like like you said, it's this new direction of scoring, and I am really appreciating it and enjoying it. Yeah. Yeah. I, I think there's a motif that actually returns in this episode that you do hear in uh the seventh seasons of McClellan Wars towards the end in, in episode eleven and twelve, which is that that haunted, that haunting kind of strings, those those dark strings mm. play. Um, you hear that, I think, when the chip starts to become unstable. Uh, and and that actually occurs when Ahsoka is kind of um, sensing the actually in in the at the end of episode seven or uh, season seven, you Ahsoka and all the Jedi can actually hear the moment in which Anakin is uh, when Mace is confronting the emperor and Anakin uh, interrupts them and and there's that altercation that, you know, the infamous altercation. 
uh, where it cuts off, you know, Mesa's arm. All the Jedi hear that moment, and the strings are actually connected to that moment. And then the executing order sixty six is is wrapped up in there, and it's just this supremely dark moment in this in the storytelling. And those strings are are kind of a motif that keep coming back whenever something sinister is happening with the chips, with the clones, anything like that. So I noticed that kind of that those strings play now and again when when we're focusing on Wrecker. Um, mm. Another thing I noticed that was just supremely dark was the uh, the moment when kind of you hear the chip like whirring in Wrecker's head. Like it yeah. seems like it's like damaging. It's like it's hurting. It's, it's hurting it's, the poor guy's brain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. It's really hard to watch. Yeah. So it's uh, Kevin Kiner is the musical score composer for he did Clone Wars. He did Rebels, uh, did a fantastic job in Rebels, too. I, I love that. And, and now the Bad Batch. Um, nice. so yeah, I feel like, you know, and it's not like, I'm, I'm sure Kevin Kiner can like, is, is a master and can do whatever, but it's like the fact that they allowed Gorenson, you know, Favreau allowed Gorenson to really stretch, you know, and, and it was so popular allowed Kiner now is like got the license and authority to stretch a little bit with his score and, and use atypical instruments. It's not all, you know, just digital, um, instruments, it's you know he's he's mixing in some acoustic ones there was a couple like really like light the omega theme like all the themes around omega there's a couple are um are fantastic and really cool they did a good job it's a good it's a good series man this is a good series Great show. Great so show. Uh, i have oh yeah shout out to michelle ang for, she, she's doing the voice of omega yeah. she's, oh, just doing she's so good work. in it's this episode just character. brought me to tears when she said she's not going to leave Wrecker's side uh, after he goes yeah. through the surgery. I was, that got me pretty good. Uh, Rex kneeling down to Omega and meeting her for the first time got me, you know, the, I felt the feels in that moment. So yeah, uh, great, great yeah. voice work from uh, yeah. Michelle. Well, she we're talking about that in Omega. I, I want to talk about something that's kind of, kind of popped up and I, and I don't mean to be uh, alarmist or a downer. Um, really liking the show, but Gosh, a couple yeah. <laughs> a couple things, and and I want to I want to I want to preface this by saying there might be a plan in place, and if this is part of the story arc, then I'm completely fine with it. Um, there's been a lot of kids with guns in this series oh. so far, and it's making me honestly a little uncomfortable. I just I just want to put a finger on it for a second, and we can move past it. It's not anything where I'm like I'm going to stop watching this show or this show, you know, shouldn't be watched or it's problematic. I, I you know I, I I'm not going that way. I just I think with today and everything we're going through, I just kind of sensitized to it. And it's not something that necessarily is bad because I'm wondering if what they're going for, and we're starting to see this in their other storytelling. And so this is why I'm giving them the benefit of the doubt is that they are going to, I think, I think the fat batch is going to start to see their, the effect they're having on Omega with their lifestyle. Right? right. And so I'm wondering if that's where we're going with it. And if that's where we're going with it, you need to do this stuff, right? You need to show her picking yeah. up weapons and threatening the fire. I really thought when she was, when she had the blaster pointed at Wrecker, she was going to put it down and say, no, I can't like you are my, like you're my brother. I can't do it. Instead, she looked like she was about to pull the trigger. Other stuff happened, you know, didn't actually pull the trigger, but it's just something I wanted to talk about where I was watching. And I was kind of just going like, this is just, I just, it's just there. And it's something that's kind of in the back of my mind. And if it's part of the arc, it's great storytelling, right? And so that's why I don't want to prejudge anything until we get to the end of this story. But just something that kind of popped up. I think it was this episode and a couple of episodes ago, she just is picking up blasters and shooting at people. I don't think she's actually hit anyone yet. And maybe that's the story. It's like when she actually does hit someone, she feels the weight of that. Right. I mean, she's she shot droids in the last episode with her. Yeah. Friend. 
when yeah. you have Trey Ubo. Uh, yeah, which is awesome, by the way. Like, for yeah. some reason, that didn't trigger it as much as the plastic. Right, there. and it looks really right? cool. She's got a bandolier yeah. now yeah, with, yeah, like, yeah. Oh, on her yeah. back. I think you're onto something there, Adam. And, you know, for it because it didn't register with me at all, but I, I think for sure there's an arc there. I think you, yeah. you, you found a, a, like, subtextual plot line uh, yeah, that's so. happening very subtly. And, and because... Yeah, no, she she would never pull the trigger, you know. Yeah. And um, but the, it, it, I think she is getting militarized because this is what she's surrounded. She's trying to find her identity and she's surrounded by a bunch of soldiers that, you know, blast through these blasters more than they do forks, you know. Yeah. So, yeah, it's, um, I yeah. think it's interesting. It's something that's yeah. to watch for. I bet it's I bet um, it develop just like you say, well, like, you know, they're going to they're going to have a, have to figure it out. And they, I, tr I trust the storytellers, right? Like, especially in this, in all, in all of the Star Wars, I trust the storytellers. In this, in particular, they do take their time, right? As much as I'm surprised the inhibitor chip got solved in C in Episode Seven, it's been an ongoing since season since Episode Two, right? Didn't he hit his head in Episode Two and he had a headache? Maybe it was Episode Three, but for a cartoon, early, for a cartoon right to have four or five episodes where that's in the background is a slow pace for for this type of storytelling so it might be building to something uh on a much lighter note uh my this will be my current episode of gonk watch uh so gonk is back but i was i was watching was this gonk the, in this episode i didn't see him just for a second oh that i will always i will always catch a gonk droid when it's there but <laughs> what i found is that I had the uh, subtitles running because um, I forgot to turn them off and I was on the elliptical this morning. Uh, in the subtitles, he is he is identified as Gonky. Gonky? Yeah. So now it's my, you know, already my favorite now, absolutely cemented my favorite character in in Clone Wars, or I'm sorry, in Bad Batch is Gonky. Right. Great. They're like, nope, the droid in this is going to be a Gonk droid and yeah. slash uh, Echo. Yeah. But yeah, mostly Gonk just... What does he do? He like hides gear. He's mostly used for Wreckers uh, weight, weight training, training. Strength, 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 yeah. training, training. Yeah. And uh, other than that, just kind of around to just be a positive vibes in the in the ship there, the yeah. starship. He's a good pet and performs admirably. I might yeah. say, I might add. Uh, yeah, and I, just to return to the previous point, just quickly, like <laughs> sure. the dark tone of this show, it, it does feel fitting. I mean, it, this show and you know, books like Alphabet Squadron and things like that are like really are war story, you know, yeah. books of war and in stories about war in a lot of ways. And um, and just going back to season seven of Clone Wars, that 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 episode 11 shattered uh, Rex and Ahsoka have that moment where they go, you know, she's like, I, I, you know, I'm a Jedi. I was told I'm a peacekeeper. But, you know, ever since I was a ch child, all I've all I've all I've been is a soldier. And right. Rex goes, you know, you know, me, too. And then, you know, uh He's like, but without the war, like, I guess we wouldn't be around. So, you know, like, right. And then she's like, well, well, at least the wars brought some good, you know, to him Aww. after that. And it, yeah, it's a really touching moment. And it's like these these people are products of war. So like uh, and I feel like um, Omega was raised kind of in uh, close proximity to the Kaminoans and, and, and wasn't really brought into training facilities and things like that. She doesn't she I, she wasn't she wasn't um, uh, exposed to that. Right. That training. Right. Well, not that we know of, but there's I, the 80 percent of Omega we don't know or understand. We just know it's a child girl that's a clone. Right. And that's all the backstory we know. We know she's compassionate. Um, and that's about it. I'm, I'm going to keep waiting for the shoe to drop. I know, you know, the lead horse in this race is that she's force sensitive and that 
there that's the first attempt of them to create a force sensitive clone and, and maybe she will be that but i'm still i'm, I'm gonna take play devil's advocate and say she's no one and she's just a person and they just like made a great person and, yeah and, and that's that's all you know she's gonna be and and but that compassion and just like humanness is going to be what helps the bad batch evolve and find themselves in their role in the galaxy by just like being this me unaltered mirror that they can right. look into and be like, what, what would we have been if we had a choice? Right. And don't forget that's an unaltered mirror of Boba Fett. Yeah. If it's just a yeah. female unaltered right. clone of, of Django. So there's still rich storytelling. If you mm. decide to go that direction, she's like you have really Boba Fett's sister. In yeah, way. she is. Right. And you have Boba Fett wandering around now. So like part of me is this like wild speculation and, and tinfoil stuff. But if they're going for the synergistic, that's yeah. not a word. I just added a couple extra syllables to that. Is uh, uh, you know, storytelling that they're wanting to do. Are we going to see a grown up Omega? Yeah. In Book of Boba Fett? Yeah. Right. I, I need that comic series now. I mean, do we get a grown up Omega with like a large like a bow? Gwendolyn like Christie a playing a yeah. Boba Fett sister? Um, <laughs> yeah, I feel like, you know, if, if the reveal if the Rex reveal taught me anything, it's that I, I think I overanalyzed the show. I think I kind of dig yeah, a lot of stuff. Like it, it oftentimes is the Occam's razor, like the, the, the obvious, you know, way forward. And, um, I, I don't think she needs to be force sensitive anymore. I just thought with the chips and the malfunctioning, I thought that maybe someone should be force sensitive in the storyline. And also with, uh, Caleb Dune being such a major component of the show early on, I thought that maybe some sort of force related, you know, character would return to the fold and, and it would cause their chips to, uh, act up. But, uh, this. But after this episode, I don't think she needs to be force sensitive. I might jump to your side of the fence, uh, Ben, just because I don't know. I think she's iconic as is, just like you said, Adam. It's like there's you can there's still a lot of road to be paved with that story, even if she isn't force sensitive. You can get to yeah. comics later on in her life. You can get to her own series. You can you could live action potential. There's like there's so much you can do with that character, even if she's not force sensitive. Like she could be. Yeah. Uh, you know, she could find her own pa her own path in the galaxy, and and you know maybe not be a soldier or bounty hunter or anything like that, but you know someone someone out there who's doing good. Yeah. So I'd I'd love to see. I just hope she doesn't like go down the like dark path. You know, like Han Solo. I'm like, yes, I want him to get into the grimy underbelly, but like, you know, I don't want to see if, if she popped up in Book of Boba Fett. I don't want to see this like slick assassin like you know Kira. You know, I, I'd I'd rather see her be a diplomat or still like a a voice for peace. I hope I you know, but like with that hope, like that offers an opportunity to actually make her go a darker path and have it you know feel more dramatic if they do it. But um, in in my heart, like I hope she becomes like a diplomat or works with Mon Mothma's or something like that. Um, yeah, but that's just a that's my my personal taste. And, and how I'm rooting for that character. No, I agree. She seems like a pure soul, right? Yeah. In, in, in Star Wars. And I'd like that to remain. I want to see it corrupted. No, no, I agree. And, and you know, I just. Yeah, I, I think there's room there. And, and I think, you know, my thought is if, you know, we we're Vegas odds makers, I think I think the odds are tipping back in favor of her not being force sensitive. Grant, as you mentioned, now that the chips aren't in play, 
that kind of you can still tell that story, but that seemed like if you wanted to make her force sensitive and that was the plan, you probably would have, as writers, decided not to have the chip stuff happen yet because that gives you a storyline to, to develop. Yeah. Um, cynically, though, I feel like that's still the way they're going because Star Wars is very uh, hesitant to not have a force sensitive character in a show um, in some manner. But I think my personal preference is along your lines, Ben. Like, I, I kind of hope she's not. Like, I think that's interesting, but I'd rather just see her just develop as a as a person, right? Like, and not have to add that added layer of what do we do with this Force-sensitive character. Basically, how does she end up with Luke, right? Because that's when right. you add a Force-sensitive and at this part of the timeline, the question is, were they killed or how did they end up with Luke? Yeah, and uh, yeah, it'll be interesting. I mean, in that way, she could sort of develop in parallel with the Bad Batch, right? This is a story about clones finding their humanity and in and and it's just happening at a different at a natural stage for Omega, but at a, you know, different stage for the clones uh, for the Bad Batch. So yeah. um, I don't know. It makes sense. But I, I listen, I wouldn't. There's definitely plenty of room for her to become force sensitive. Sure. Uh, and, you, you know, so maybe that answered our earlier question about what do the chips see? It's like, if they, the chips recognize someone using the force, like actually wielding the force, you know, in a visual way that could do it. And so she has yet to do anything like that. But if she did, um, then that, you could see that that would trip the, the triggers on, on the chips and, and see what happens. But, um, I don't know. There's still room for it. I would like it either way. Do we think there's any sort of nefarious plan that the Kaminoans, uh, have built into Omega, like genetic sequencing or a chip of some kind or anything that could trigger something. Because I mean, I do now. They knew about the <laughs> they knew about yeah. or sixty six. Like the Kaminoans are, uh, you know, more than chaotic neutral. They're like pretty, yeah. basically a chaotic evil in a lot of ways. Uh, they knew about those chips. They knew about Order sixty six, um, and they're, they're willing to terminate clones uh, for nothing. I hope they do more to villainize the Kaminoans in, in the Bad Batch, because right now you can't really tell. And it's I don't know. It's hard not to root for the Kaminoans. But then when I went back to that earlier arc, yeah. from six, <laughs> you're like, oh, no, they knew exactly yeah. what was going on. They're just bloodthirsty yeah. capitalists, man. They so just... why would they create Omega? And what's the what's her purpose? Uh, right. Given that we know that the Kaminoans are pretty seedy, like they're they're they've done some pretty dark things. Right. Um, I think there's yes. a, a lot there. I think there's going to be a reveal. Yeah, it's interesting. I always see them as being very just, just a amoral. Um, meaning that like yeah. they are obsessed with their art of cloning, and there's just these weird group of people that their entire goal is to clone 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 and be the best cloners and do the art of cloning and so so yes you know darcidius um came into the fold and said create these clones and they just thought this is the best thing ever we have all this money we have all this ability to perfect our cloning project you want us to put this chip in fine whatever you're as you said it you know they're they're capitalists right so it's, it's your it's your imperial or uh republic credit so we'll put it in there so part of me just wonders if if like Omega is just this weird artistic side project, right? Like just one of them went, I wonder if we can make this pure clone. Like we, we did this for Django. Like, right. let's see, let's see if we can do it ourselves and just change this or that. But yeah, I don't know. I, it'd be interesting. I feel like there's like, I feel like there's a lab. Everyone saw alien resurrection. Um, I'm sorry. 
Um, but if you do remember that movie, there is a scene where they go into a, a lab of clones and there's like 13 different Ripley's that are all just weird clones and weird. Like, it's really horrific that that's the that's the only horrific thing in, in a movie that should be a horror movie. Um, but <laughs> that's it, kind of what I wanted in the main saga films. I wanted like Ray yeah. to walk in the room with all these clones of her. There's a kind of mirroring of the the cave and Anak too. And, yeah. And like. But instead, and like it would be thought, cool to see that with Omega for Omega to yeah. walk through and see a kind of terrifying, you know, uh, clone bank. Yeah. Everything is way too clean on like Camino. I feel like there's like a couple of like rooms that you open up that you just you look in and then you just slowly back out and shut the door. Be like, didn't see that. Did not see that. That's not a thing. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Exactly. Nothing in there to see. I mean, the the one big clue they've given us is that her name is Omega. Yeah. which I'm pretty sure means like ultimate purpose. So that yeah. that's what makes you think like, all right, well, she she's not a pet, probably. Probably not. No, but but there is a plan there, right? Like, you, you, yeah, you, there's some plan like, oh, yeah. this is the 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 final purpose of what we're trying to do. I mean, maybe she's just a better breed of stormtrooper. But but um, is that, doesn't that maybe argue for uh, her being just a pure clone? Because. We don't know the timeline of clones, but we know that Django's one request on top of all the money right. was a perfect clone, right? And we don't know if that was the first clone. And if that was the first clone they made of 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 Django, wouldn't that be Alpha? Wouldn't right. Boba be Alpha? Okay. And then this is the last clone of Django is Omega. And we have Alpha and Omega. He, he was certainly phase one, like first batch. I mean, yeah. I, I don't know. The first, I bet there were a lot of, "Quote unquote first clones that they I I'm, I'm guessing we're gonna get it until they got I, it just right and then it's it's kind of a I don't think so I think we're gonna get a retcon of like like they'll see Boba and refer to him as Alpha that'd be funny yeah that actually would have some pretty nice energy we'll see or yeah but yeah. I've only been completely wrong in every prediction I've made so far in the series <laughs> right so. right. The numbers well, are the great. first the first predictions that were, you know, sweeping the web were the, this is Boba's unaltered sister, Alpha and Omega. Yeah. So, like, I, I don't think you're it, it's not adequate. It's that seems like you're the just saying I'm, that I'm seems six like months behind the Internet. Forward. Yeah, so <laughs> I, I'm always going to take the easy road from now on. I'm not going to overanalyze a lot of this stuff. So, yeah, yeah. Alpha and Omega, Boba and, and uh, Omega are connected in some way. Hopefully we see, you know, some sort of narrative play out between the characters pretty cool man um speaking of boba why don't we get into it uh with this latest issue uh bounty hunters Let's do it bounty hunters we don't need that scum 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 so, hey, welcome back to Boba's Bounty Board, a subsidiary of Kyber Crystal Comics Corner. Uh this week we had a bounty hunters uh issue thir 13 under the heading of War of the Bounty Hunters uh, get released. It's great. We're going to get a new comic every week, so get ready for this. We're clearly in the middle of this or just the beginning really of uh this crossover event in the comics and that's pretty super. Um and then here we have Bounty Hunters 13. This is called Showdown on Smuggler's Moon. Uh, by Ethan Sachs is the writer, Paolo Vellanelli is the artist, Arif Peranto is a colorist, PCs, Travis Lanham is the letterist, and uh, Giuseppe Comancoli and uh, Marte Gracia are the cover artists. And uh, yeah, I actually really like this comic. 
here we go. Bounty Hunters is in. Um, this, so I'll give you a little summary to start you off. Uh, in this episode of Bounty Hunters, uh, Dengar and Valance are hot on the trail of Boba Fett and Frozen Han Solo, and their trail takes them to Nalhutta, where they run across Chewbacca and C-3PO. The Crimson Dawn is revealed. Yeah. Um, yeah Perfect summary. Yeah. Yeah. There was a side plot in there with uh, Tiango and Meow Meow, and, um, you know, they're sort Losha. of... Losha, there we go. Yeah, and um, they're also getting drawn into this battle. They run across some Crimson Dawn warriors, which is pretty cool. They look a lot like Cobra Commander. Um, yeah, they oh, sent yeah. Comdeck. Like, yeah, yeah. 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 Guys yeah, cool. we meet Comdeck, which is like really close to Condeck. I'm just saying. <laughs> yeah, we got a grass and we got a Comdeck in Com-deck. this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I feel like they're, they're taunting us. People are listening. We're sending out cease and desist letters. This evening, <laughs> uh, this issue was awesome. Actually, I really, you know, cough covers often exaggerate the story that we're going to get, and it was cool to actually see Valance and Chewie kind of grapple and 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 fight for a little bit. Like that was, I didn't think we we're going to get as much fighting as we got. Um, of course, you know, Valance immediately uh, tries to make peace. Uh, with Chewbacca, which is uh, we don't see very often, Valance trying to make peace. So that was cool. No, all right, I'm gonna be the bummer. Um, so as long as you a, sing your way in, then it's fine. This is a very readable comic. It moved very fast. Um, it was also very well written. Again, I think my forty-ish years of reading comics is showing. Um, I'm like, oh, this is a crossover. So the two fu- the two people are gonna fight. And then they're going to join forces, which is what's happened in every comic crossover since 1963. Um, But that's not, you know, that's not the fault of anyone else. It's it's good storytelling and it's tried and true storytelling. But I will say, you know, here's the other, you know, news alert. That's it for 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 criticism. It's like criticism because it's not even criticism. It's nothing that was done wrong, right? That's just I think it's just me, like. Like if you listen to the same music over and over and over again, you start nitpicking, right? Like you, if right, you're a critic, yeah. you start nitpicking. And this is really a nit that I picked. And that's what I want to make clear because that's it for criticisms for me. I, I really I mean, enjoyed the, the issue. Chewie does throw Valance through a bar window and like Valance like The fight is great. Spine. Like we get some action. Like yeah, it's tons yeah. of action. At least it's and a I, fun fight. I, and I it could have just been like a chokehold and be over, but it yeah. turned into a brawl, which was nice. Yeah. If if I can make one a comic book guy, well, actually, um, they don't join forces. Chewbacca. That is fair. That is correct. They, they realize they're on the same side, but Chewbacca is like, just stay out of my way, and 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 they don't team up. So you know what, Ben, you're right, and that actually changes my opinion completely. Which is like now sounds completely like fake and whatever like you're in a fake fight and you're like, fine you win but no you're right <laughs> I, I forgot about that and that is that does kind of upend what you think's going to happen right because you assume they're going to join forces and they don't that's mostly just both of them agreeing to try to stay out of each other's way <laughs> right? right which I, I like that actually so no and so ben, my you want to read the picked... uh <laughs> the infamous line that you had sent to us earlier <laughs> Yes, please. Basically, when Valance and Chewbacca part ways, you know, C-3PO is there and he goes, there may come a time when we need your help. Until then, he Chewbacca asks that you stay out of his way or he will rip off your cybernetic arms and beat you to death with them. And I was like, <laughs> I would love to see C-3PO say that in live action. Yeah. And, he's, he's, and I think there is a line after it. He's like, 
I, I'm just passing on the message. Like, yeah, I'm he's just, like, his words, not mine. Trans- yeah, his words, not mine. There you go. <laughs> yeah. say. But actually, it's... that was the outcome I was rooting for in this episode, was that Chewbacca was going to rip his arms off, uh, balance his arms off and beat him to death with him. That's the thing is, you can, if you if you have a character like Valance, who's fully cybernetic, like, you can actually you can actually do interesting kind of body horror stuff with that character. And what character yeah. have we heard teased, you know, to ripping people's arms off, ripping people a limb from exactly. limb? Chewbacca. I mean, yeah. why wouldn't Chewbacca just rip an arm off real quick? And then it's the next issue is just him putting an arm back on and continue with the story. Like I did, I would, yeah. that would have been really fun to see. Yeah. That, which, that's they, actually... which in the old um, canon with Valance, they did do some of that body horror stuff. Where, yeah. like, I think in yeah. the last issue of his arc, which they did, like, two years ago, they did that, that weird, remember, like, Star Wars issue 173 or something, whatever that, like, like the the one, which is, like, the last Valance story. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. They show him that he's just basically, at that point, a brain, right? A brain right. In, inside of, of just a cy- completely cybernetic body, and that was a nice little reveal. Um, what else I really like is... The issue had a really good sense of humor. Um, we make fun of Valance's hand blasters a lot. Yeah. Uh, they made fun of him themselves in this issue. And I really appreciated that little joke where he's trying to like put his hands up to calm down. In a Chewbacca. defensive maneuver. He's like, yeah. I wasn't going to use my hand blasters, I swear. And then Chewbacca <laughs> yeah. proceeds to throw him about like 50 yeah, yards. Yeah, that's when he goes to the bar window. Yeah, it was great. <laughs> um, I'm enjoying the Valance um, uh, Dengar, um, you know, buddy cop. Yeah, that they're going with, and the fact that you that that Dengar is like the rational one, right? And like, so I I thought like Dengar and Chewbacca were gonna cross paths, but I guess Dengar was just at the bar the whole time. Yes, he that he's just getting a drink, and that was it. Yeah, he sees a, he sees that Valance is occupied with the Chewbacca, and just he's like, nope. The drink. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, they're, it's a they're very Dengar move. Alliance, is yeah, really fun to watch. No, there was a great line that I'm trying to find that Dengar says while he's like, um, there's a beverage here, man. Oh, no, he says, uh, yeah, he just he's basically saying, like, slow down. Not all of us have cybernetically enhanced legs. Oh, this can't be yeah. good. <laughs> Actually, this could be good. Yeah. Right. And that's when he sits down at the bar and orders a drink. Like, like, <laughs> he's like, Let's I'll just, just sit back play. and watch this. Yeah. He orders a Boga Noga ale. Yes. Oh, nice. Yeah. Which looks he's refreshing. Likes a bitter. Um. All right, let's talk Crimson Dawn for a second. I mean, we're, we've been talking about it a lot. So by the storytelling, we've real, we, I think what we, we narrowed it down to between like 13 and 15 years, Crimson Dawn has kind of disappeared. We assumed they kind of just disappeared after the events of Solo. That seems to be kind of the suggestion that they just... Well, no, I... They're, they're only in the history logs. They disappeared years ago i know but it's like less than a it's about a decade ago it's just weird to me that they're just like this can't be how could it be i'm like i don't know it's like we plenty of things pop up i get people forgetting the jedi after 30 years uh you know given that the the, 20 odd years you know however long it took luke to you know start his journey but um like because they're because the empire was you know erasing the history books like yeah. it makes sense that people would forget the jedi and and call it an ancient religion but like certain things like the legend of luke skywalker and crimson dawn and like other things in star wars storytelling where i'm like how would people forget about this stuff or how would these things fall to obscurity or myth like there's no one erasing that history yeah like you know what i mean and so it's yeah. like 
Um, there's no reason the Empire would erase Crimson Dawn. Like people would know about this. Yeah, it's just it's it's strange. It's, it, I've just it's, I've kind of it's yeah, pumped up against that, that stuff. That everyone's just like they can't be back. Why not? Why not? <laughs> Why? So there can't be another crime syndicate. For all you know, it could just be a crime syndicate that said we're going to steal the Crimson Dawn title, right? Like like it's just weird that everyone's talking about them as if they're like, how could it be? Well, there's know. probably a story there, man. There, there I hope so. Real good, like <laughs> definitive end. I just to check the timelines a little bit. I think the last time we see. Maul representing Crimson Dawn is in season seven of the Clone Wars. I think even there he's pulling the strings. Like, is he? No, uh, not yet. Pike he's the Mandalorian. Too. No, we see him like the the Pike Syndicate communicates with uh, Darth Maul on uh, when they're they're transporting the spice, Rafa and and uh, Trace. Right, but that's before Solo. And last time we see Crimson Dawn is at the end of Solo, which is ten. Oh, years you're right. It is. You're right. Before New Hope. And so, like, if we give them the benefit of the doubt that it disbanded immediately after Solo, which I don't think it did. I don't think it's weird. Like, why would they why would the death of um, what's his face be the end of it? Because he was just an upper boss. He wasn't. You're right. The Sorry. Boss. No, I. Uh, yeah. My bad. I got confused there for a the, second. The timeline is confusing. <laughs> right. In Star Wars. No, but I should know that. Yeah. All that stuff happened post Clone Wars. It's just. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Um, all right. So sorry for the digression. <laughs> But um, yeah, I don't know. They, it felt like in this comic they were saying he was only like four years ago that they disbanded. But still, there must have been an I event. I feel like they, it, the the gang may have the the syndicate may have um, disbanded. Maybe I don't know, like fifteen BBY. Does that sound right? I think it's thirteen BBY. I don't know why that number is in my head. How old is Luke in the? Uh, I guess. How old is Luke in the Rebels episode where Maul meets his end? I think he's like nine or ten. Yeah. I, I can't say for certain. I'm going to yeah. pull up my timeline. Mm-hmm. But nonetheless, I, 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 it's it's hard to believe some characters have forgotten about Crimson Dawn or they, it seems like they, you know, are completely dissolved because it sounds like they were a major syndicate. You know, the, we heard the Hut cartel talk about Crimson Dawn in the um, uh, the uh, Boba Fett issue, the the one from last week, the um, uh, that was just War of the Bounty Hunters number one, I believe. Uh, the Hud Cartel are like, oh, Crimson Dawn threw the best parties, like everyone knew who yeah. they were. They're great, and then the tone is totally different in this. It's like no way these people could return. I was like, also, well, I know, okay, yeah, it's I, it was odd. Um, it also feels like Crimson Dawn is is very um female heavy which i like that kira has surrounded herself with other strong women right we see when we see her in war of the bounty hunters one her two like right hand people it seems like are women and then we are we are introduced to uh a female assassin bounty hunter possibly named death stick which like yes Next issue is called Death Stick, right? Death Stick. So is she yeah. Death Stick? Which is like, is this Star Wars is like Deathstroke or Deadpool? Like, is this... I mean, I guess, but like my assassin name is my assassin's name is Cigarette. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, I'm guessing it's that's not her name, and um, I don't think it's Kira either. So this this character we no, get, I think it's a totally major weird. reveal yeah. at the end of the book. It is she does look to be uh, like a woman. She's dressed in like crimson or I guess purplish crimson garb. Um, I almost thought she was one of the handmaidens, like one of Padme's. Like it, it almost looks like that aesthetic. 
which would I could totally see that. Which yeah. would be interesting if one of them joined uh, um, Crimson Dawn. Holy shit, this seems mad. Or this is a red herring, and you think this character is Crimson Dawn, but she's someone else. Right, could be. We don't know. Um, but since we're talking about, I'm gonna I'm calling her Death Stick until someone tells me not to call her. <laughs> I mean, she uh, is we'll holding a stick, a and yep. she just did rain death from a Let's so. talk about she used that stick to <laughs> do, like, really take care of uh, Devono, I think was the character's name. Devalon Fix or Devon? something? Yeah, yeah I, I don't know what the name is. I, I don't know. Like, I don't know if it's just being a new father or getting older, and as the person who's, like, second love is horror movies, but, like, I'm starting to get, like, oof about things. And not in a bad way, like... You shouldn't do that. I'm probably feeling it the way most humans are supposed to read these things and feel these things and react <laughs> to it. But like it is a brutal like at the very top of that thing where he they basically uses that death stick to decapitate that character in oh, mid sentence. Right. Yeah. We see his decapitated head still making noises that's falling off his body. It's upsetting. <laughs> like literally because she would have had my head on a thunk. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> makes the noise as like if the word bubble is pointing to his decapitated head, so that is making that sound <laughs> as it's falling to the ground. It's upsetting in, in a good way, as it's supposed to be. Not a criticism, an observation. Wow. So, guys, um, thanks for giving me a time out here. I've been checking out timeline stuff. So, uh, Solo is supposed to be zero to thir- or 10 to 13 years before the Battle of Yavin. Yeah. Um, they, I found this guide. It's called yodasdatapad.com, and they have... Uh, characters' birth dates by movie. So uh, Luke Skywalker was nine during Solo. Um, he was zero during Revenge of the Sith. So that's sort of where he was there. And he was uh, 19 in Episode 4. And they have him as the... Oh, obviously, I was like, they have him as the exact same age as Princess Leia. So. <laughs> Sorry. <sighs> Weird how that right. works. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> Science. Um, I need to have a conversation with one of you guys later about how birds and bees work. Uh, yeah. So, are, they, so gonna... are we thinking he's maybe like 13, 14 in that Rebels episode when he... Maul dies? If he's nine during Solo. I don't know. Maybe Solo and that are happening concurrently. We just don't know, right? Like, what yeah. is that? I have a. F- yeah, we don't really know when that happened. I well, we know because we know because Maul. Maul is leading Crimson Dawn during Solo, and right. he's this old wizened. He's old master, you know, right. when he dies. It's like so, a totally so, different Maul at that point. So I'm guessing three years after Solo, uh, Crimson Dawn collapses. I'm guessing Kira maybe that usurps Maul in some really fantastic narrative that I'm guessing Jonathan Kasdan has outlined somewhere. <laughs> um, but uh, they haven't made oh. it, and, and they probably well, won't. I'm gonna be, be able to I'm gonna make. be cold water Didsbury again here, cold yeah. water, um, and say I I think the most obvious like Occam's Razor answer is that you know Maul leads Crimson Dawn, Maul dies, uh, like one year, well actually a couple years ABY. Yeah, so and, like, I his have death his... signifies the death of Crimson Dawn, and that might be why there's like, um. There's like there's no way they'd come back from that. Actually, the timeline works. Why it would be like one year Maul, before the Battle of the Avon. Maul doesn't die. A B Y though he dies. When he he looks like, Sorry, so, I, I, I misspoke. I meant one yeah. year. B B Y. Maul oh, dies. Yeah. 
two years BBY, according to Wikipedia. So he okay. dies two years. What? So that makes, by the way, that makes Luke 17 when he's running through the desert <laughs> in that scene. He <laughs> looks like a child. He does. I, yeah, yeah we, but, we've done that. We've had this conversation before. Okay. I, my brain will not contain that information, retain yeah. that information. So, yeah, so you're right. If And that makes sense, right? It makes sense that Crimson Dawn would be considered defunct after Maul's death. Though, like, is Maul really running that organization when he's like, crazy hermit on uh yeah, no he's like not. maul is the most confusing i'm gonna say this i'm gonna grant died in the phantom agree yeah i i'm with grant's retcon or this is a dangerous shit over right there grant that he has some of the best dialogue in all of clone wars and rebels like it is truly truly beautiful but, prose like, and, and and um kind of ruminations about the force and I, his destiny and, and and all that kind of stuff there's really in in kind of interesting commentary on Sidious from a really fun perspective. Yeah. And it's also a way to give us a gray sure. Sith, like to give us a, a morally complicated Sith character. You know what I mean? Like right. that's the point of Maul, right? The point of Maul is to show some gray area with a character who was of the dark side. And like, and, and but you could, it. you could have done that with Asajj Ventress. Like you could have done that with so many other characters. It did you could do have it created an all new character for that, for those themes. But Maul was brought back to do that. And I don't know if uh if it was the if, in a way if it was the the kind of most uh uh i guess the, um i don't know i guess the, the best through line for that sort of storytelling i think i think you could have done it with ventress you could have done it with another character right well my here's my issue <laughs> surprise surprise but we are talking about solo bringing him back in solo is the most Lost confusing it. thing you've done to that character because in the midst of his like rage and being brought back and not being a Darth, but being connected to the dark side and trying to corrupt, um, um, what's his name from Rebels, um, Ezra. Ezra, and doing all this stuff, he found a time to become a completely thoughtful crime lord. Like it's, I just gotta say, it's he's weird. It's a busy guy. He's a busy guy. It's so weird. I he's don't understand his timeline, and I'm reading it's I like. 17 page wikipedia entry and i'm still not getting i it. feel like what they do with him in rebels makes sense yeah everything else feels like it doesn't really serve the the kind of genre that maul is or the archetype that maul is meant to represent it's like a leader of death watch like a calculating strategist of his own in his own right i don't think so like this character is is utter rage and this character is you know, martial, you know, prowess. Like this character is meant to be the kind of savage dark side that's in Darth Vader, you know? And like, that's, and, and then, and then if you want to extrapolate further and do this kind of like, he's having, you know, some, some moral, you know, reckonings and he's, he's, you know, looking at Palpatine's, you know, plan from the outside and having his own epiphanies and awakenings and things like that. And you get this kind of interesting moral, you know, gray area with a Sith character. Like, uh, he's, he almost becomes the Qui-Gon Jinn of the Sith in a lot of ways. He's kind of this rogue Sith, right? And it, it, it's an interesting area to explore, but I don't know if it serves the story, like the best. And when you bring him into Solo as a crime lord, it's like, really? He became a crime lord at some point? Like, I, just because he's red, like, he's he has to lead Crimson Dawn? Like, I don't understand the kind of the thought process there. 
All right. Well, I have a I have a different sort of lens on Maul. Like I totally understand and believe in what you're saying. Like that's especially how we were introduced to Maul in the early books. He's just pure rage. Like he's hatred. He is Darth Vader's like rage. Right. Because we know he's Vader's essentially a combination of the previous Dark Lords. But um, the lens I would throw back, or like the the title I would put over Darth Maul is classic Sith throwback. When like Darth Maul walks into a room and there's gang members there at the end of that conversation, he's the new leader of the gang. Like when, you know, he walks into a, a throne room, he becomes king. Like it's just that's what the Sith do. They just are like magnets to power. They take what they want with impunity and can do it in swaths of, of jumps uh, faster than like a, a regular mortal being. And uh, I don't know. That's the way I look at it. I, I, you know, he might have started as like pure rage, but I think that was kind of what they were doing. Like this is uh, what a Sith from, you know, Knights of the Royal Republic could do. Like that, that sort of power to be able to control. And that's I don't know. That's my view. of it. So. I'm going to, so yeah, I, that makes sense. Um, reading over Wikipedia, basically end of solo is 10 BBY. And then he ends up on Malachor. Next time we see him is three BBY. So there's seven years there where sometimes somehow he goes mad and becomes uh, obsessed with Jedi stuff. Sure. You can tell that probably happened after he killed. Oh, no, wait. Oh, sorry. Yep. So here's the thing. This feels to me like a weird side quest in a video game. It feels like I was playing Red Dead Redemption 2 and then like 72 hours in, they're like, oh, by the way, here's a side quest. Go get this. Go get that thing. Go get the deed to this bar. Now run this bar for seven years. Oh, yeah. Now that you're done running this bar, go back to your main quest. Right. Where I had like a 50 hour side quest in Red Dead Redemption. I got back to like, wait, what was my character doing? Why was he (laughs) running a brothel? Okay, cool. Right. No, I yeah. there's a lot of kind of D&D storytelling in the episodic Star Wars, you know, shows and stuff like that. It feels very like there's setups, payoffs, cliffhangers, and it just, it just feels like uh, Monster of the Week sometimes or Adversary of the Week just pops up and, and, and it's a major reveal and, and all that kind of stuff. It just it, it does feel like a video game a lot of times. And um and Maul especially, Maul, like, he really just has, like, I, the character just weaves and bobs into different lifestyles and different, and has different motivations. And it's hard to follow, but I do really, really like what they did with him in Rebels. Uh, yes. The old, old, old man, old master uh, was such a fun uh, reveal. And if you showed me the Phantom Menace and um and you and then i had watched you know rebels later on and and that was a big reveal there like that would be fantastic like if 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 we kind of had bypassed a lot of the death watch and and crimson dawn stuff and you just got this kind of older figure who just emerged out of the shadows who who is connected to the past like that would be more haunting and eerie yeah. to me like that would be a fun way to take it because I really felt like in Rebels when they found him on Malachor, he's like, oh, I've been abandoned here for an Aeon. You know, it's like he was lying, right? Yeah, like, he was probably, like, he probably he was landed lying. like two days ago, you know, and has been camping out roasting marshmallows in the crypt, having a grand old time. But like, think about how different he looks at the end of Solo to that seven years later. And I'm not saying this is like, yeah, I'm not saying that it doesn't work. My point is I've kind of talked myself into this now. Cause what I always do when I overthink stuff. Now I want a series that tells that seven years, like how do we get from mall running crimson dawn looking like a badass to like, yes, he's faking a little bit, but he is not 
well <laughs> still right. by the time we see him in Malachar. Like, what what was his life story? What were those seven years of Maul's life to get him to be like no longer a crime boss, now obsessed with the force again? I, I think you might I think you might get a series like that. I think yeah, I, I think you might get an underworld series, like a Crimson Dawn series of some kind. Yeah. Uh just because uh, you know, we have uh um we have uh, them being introduced in the comics. We have uh, we know Jonathan Kasdan has written outlines for a kind of syndicate wars of some kind, um, and then uh, we also know Amelia Clark is uh, has has learned about the issue, the comic issue, and commented on it and stuff like that. And she loves Star Wars and is probably open to returning to the galaxy in some way. And um, I think Akira, you know. Uh, led show series could be really oh you're talking about live action series I yeah, think you yeah. like comic live book series nice yeah I mean I'd yeah. be totally down I my I would keep it like right now my thoughts are like if I even got a comic book of that uh, that would be cool I would love a live action series but I think you're exactly right they're they're being intentionally vague about it I think Crimson Dawn dies when Maul dies but there's a lot of like stuff that's going on behind the scenes with Crimson Dawn leading up to that event. And then after that event and, um, and that could be, yeah, that would be really pretty fascinating. Well, I'm sure well, somewhere. We Ray... War? I, I don't want to do Marvel talk on a star Wars podcast. No, but no, I, please I do. Amelia Clark is, is attached to secret wars. And is, is that a show or is that a film? It's a show as of right now. Um, it seems like it might be their event show, similar to what whatever the three Star Wars shows right now are leading up to. But yeah, it's 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 the Nick Fury show, basically. Yeah, so I'm wondering if she I'm wondering if a Crimson Dawn could be in the mix, you know, later on, especially if she's already doing a, one Disney show. She yeah, jump with the other or maybe one. it's quote unquote secret wars or Lando. Yeah. A Lando could it's dive like, into Crimson Dawn in a really fun way. I feel like. Yeah. That would be a fun, be, fun crossover there. Yeah, it'd be interesting. I know, I know. Somewhere, Sam Witwer and Ray Park are really hoping that this is the case, right? <laughs> yeah. Hopefully, they're not listening. <laughs> I would. Why? I, not? Why? why not? Like, I, I didn't mean that. I, I love Sam Witwer's uh, voice acting with the with the later Mall. I think he does a totally. great job. Um, yeah. And, you know, Park, oh so yeah, and Clone not. Wars. Um, uh season seven like oh some of the best yeah clone wars episodes you know of all time and uh and what's fun about those episodes is to get, it gets maul away from mandalore and it gets him you know on his own again which is like my favorite maul i think maul is meant to be solitary in a lot of ways like he's yeah. meant to be alone pushing that boulder up the hill like it's like that's to me that's maul in a lot of ways and uh it's so, and that's why I think the old old master Maul and Rebels is is perfect because he's still, uh, uh, basically, uh, solitary, and it's 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 part of his struggle in a lot of ways. I think to be on his own, without a master, uh, Ronin, yeah. a dark. I Ronin. totally agree. Uh, side comment to this video game comment: We haven't talked. Um, there's only one game, or you know. Uh, Great shot, kid. Whatever we call our thing now, uh, in a bit. But uh, the in Battlefront Two, you can get the skin for Old Master Maul, and it's yeah. beautiful skin. It's really taken from Rebels when it's he's just like bare bones and kind of hunchback, whatever. And he has the lightsaber that is an Inquisitor's lightsaber that's been broken, so it's a double sided mm. lightsaber with like a just a little part of the uh, ring on it, but it doesn't spin or do anything stupid. It just like looks terrifying. 
Uh, it is the hardest skin to get in the game. You need to get 5,000 kills with a uh, dark side. Oh, wow. Yikes. <laughs> so, and it's like hard, you know, a good <laughs> good player can get like 20 a game. Yeah. H have you got I, it I yet, Ben? Oh, yeah, of course. I'll wait for of Jedi Fallen Order yeah, there you go. or uh, <laughs> yeah. this, this Ubisoft yeah. Star Wars game. So that's that brings up the Inquisitor thing brings up an important point and uh, then I'll let it go. So he was being chased by the Inquisitors prior to Solo in the timeline. Then he decides to run a crime syndicate and then he's chased by so by Inquisitors again when we see him in the beginning of or in his arc arc in Rebels. So apparently the Inquisitors aren't very good at their job, but I guess, you know, well, there's a story there. Maybe that's why. Maybe that's why he ended up leaving Crimson Dawn because he just kept to keep fighting Inquisitors off. Right. So I love that like 20 minutes ago, you're like, can we just talk about Crimson Dawn for a second? <laughs> yeah, just for a second. <laughs> just for a second, guys. It's be real quick, I promise. Well, we uh, covered the issue. I mean, it's balanced V Chewbacca in a lot of ways. It's, yeah. And then yeah. Crimson Dawn revealed. I mean, there's not a lot going on other than that. No, and um, yeah, yeah, the Crimson, that's what's cool about the series. Like, I just thought it was like, and hijinks ensued when you add all these really robust, like colorful characters together in this crossover event. But the fact that they brought back um, Crimson Dawn really elevated the series and made it more interesting. Um, we get this brand new thing we don't know anything about. Yeah. And uh, in terms of Adam's comic book crossover watch or whatever calling it, uh, good job so far. <laughs> That's all like I they're doing the crossover stuff, in my opinion, right. And I think part of it is that they only have four main issue, four main runs, plus the plus the miniseries. So they're able to coordinate a little better. I'm enjoying the interplay of the different comics. It made sense that they had a run in with Chewbacca, right? Like I, I'm in it doesn't feel forced and I'm enjoying it so far. So, yeah. yeah, you know what I love the most is at the end, they have a little checklist of the crossover series, like out six months or three yeah, months yeah. or whatever. Yeah. And so you can just see, okay, I've read this, I've read this. Like, it's just, it, you go down yeah. through and you can see what's coming down the pipeline because you, we get a new comic every week, which is, I, I love that too. I love that we we're getting more now. Like it was a bummer having to wait two or three weeks for a new yeah. comic to come out. Um, and it's all in the same vein. It's going to be the same story. You get a same, you know, the story continued each week. And um, I'm really enjoying that. Me too. All right, I, I'm hoping they're going to eat sushi off of Han when they, they do that yeah. dinner party. <laughs> really wondering where that comes from. Me too. I was getting really, I was like, uh-oh. Oh, and that's like, a show. Frozen folks. carbonite, Han, like they're going to a yeah. dinner party. I was like, yeah, they're definitely going to put food on that table. Oh, like, 100%. Use him as a table. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Just put I love it. Like hors d'oeuvres, space hors d'oeuvres. He'd be a great coffee table. And they make the Han Solo coffee table. Of course, you can buy that, but uh yeah solid coffee channel yeah and uh love it next week we get star wars 14 i know i've been waiting for a proper star wars i want to see what's up with lando and lobot yeah um yeah and i want to know what's up with the gold lightsaber yeah that luke has like when's that gonna like i don't know how what what's gonna be the fallout there um yeah, looking forward to that. And of course, the next uh, episode of Bad Bash will be out, so we'll talk about that and whatever yeah. you know news falls our way. But still, oh, uh, the end of time in Star Wars right now. I know. Uh, also, an issue of the High Republic Adventures from IDW, so we can do a little uh, next week. Yeah, so we can do a little uh, High Republic uh, a Beacon Bulletin. Is that what we call that? Yeah, a Starlight uh, Bulletin. Starlight, Starlight Beacon Bulletin. Yeah. 
Yeah, it's been a minute. Um, yeah, and it's E3 weekend this weekend, so we might get a video game reveal. So there might be. There's only one game next week. So we'll uh, oh, knock, knock on wood. Red, red. Um, fun week in Star Wars. Can't wait to do it with you all next week, guys uh, and girls and at all uh, as our of our listeners. Always fun. Glad you're listening, and we'll be back at it next week. So have a great week, and may the force be with you. This is Grex Kondak signing off. For the latest breaking news, follow at Core World News on Twitter and Instagram. Thank you, and good night. Remember, the Force will be with you always. <laughs>